it's very difficult for people to fall in love with, follow, or have any emotional buy-in to a quote-unquote brand. So you Mm -hmm. have to personify that. You have to create people that create the attachments for the brand. Easy examples in today's day and age is we follow Elon Musk way more than we follow Tesla or SpaceX or whatever. People want to know about the person behind it. Welcome to Work Is Good. My name is Landon Buto, and I host the show with my dad, Chris Buto, the owner and president at CSM. Um, this episode is going out on a Saturday, so it's part of our series focused on branding. And in this series, I'll have conversations with um, marketers or business owners who have established a really strong brand for themselves. Uh, so Phil Treadwell caught my eye early when I started in marketing uh, for my dad's company. He hosts a really popular podcast on on marketing and mortgage specifically called The Mortgage Marketing Expert. And so I had the chance to reach out, and Phil was gracious enough to follow up with me and film an episode. Um, so a lot to learn here from Phil, and really appreciate his time in this conversation. I'm going to go ahead and let you jump into it. I'm going to ask you just for an overall um, background of where you came from, what what your background to your career is, to your company, um, and what that what, what what your career journey has been. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's it's been a long one, so I'll I'll give the the forty thousand foot view. Sure. I'm eighteen, sure. almost eighteen half years in the mortgage industry. Uh, started out answering a newspaper ad, which will date me just a little bit. They were looking for someone with sales and management experience. It was a mortgage company. I had had both and. So uh, jumped in, worked for a small independent uh, mortgage banker, little correspondent shop. And while a lot of people were doing, you know, the subprime stuff, these 80-20 loans at eight and a half and 11, our company did a lot of manual underwrite government stuff. We obviously did a lot of conventional loans. But I, I tell that because I was very fortunate enough to have a really good mentor from day one that taught me about putting together a quality file, really understanding what the needs of the borrower were. Uh, being able to create good relationships with referral partners. And that really set the tone for my career because you have to understand at the time, people were getting in the business because it was, if someone could fog a mirror, they could get a mortgage and there wasn't a whole lot of training involved. Right. So it was very, very right. fortunate with that. Spent a couple years there, ended up uh, opening up a branch, uh, which led to me opening up my own company uh, in 2006. In hindsight, that wasn't the greatest time to open up your own shop because it was the beginning of financial sure. Armageddon. Yeah. Fortunately, I was able to sell out to Wells Fargo, which was one of the largest, I say one of the, it was the largest lender in the country at the time. They, I think one of every three mortgages went through them in one way, shape or form. I spent a couple years with them as a top producer, didn't love big big bank world. So I moved back into independent mortgage banking, uh, you know, small mortgage company shop or or medium sized companies and went into kind of an area and regional manager role. And that's really where my my career kind of took a turn as I got outside of, you know, Arkansas, Missouri, North Texas, you know, a little bit of Oklahoma, places that I had originated in to run branches. When I got outside of that, my recruiting effectiveness went way down. And I, I was trying to figure out a way, how do I show up for people? You know, at the time in 2016, 17, 
we were Googling people. Whenever someone reached out, we Googled them. So I wanted to give them something to Google. So I started doing some content marketing. Uh, uh, I didn't realize I was trying to develop a personal brand because we didn't really yeah. have that parameters around it at the time, but I was yeah. trying to get featured in articles. That very quickly led to social media. Uh, started an Instagram page called Mortgage Marketing Expert, uh, only because I owned the domain name. I'm a little bit of yeah. a domain junkie where I buy some different things. And we thought, hey, if we put out a mortgage marketing tip of the day, and again, this is early 2018 Instagram where there was outfit of the day, picture of the day, there was some you know, quote of the day, whatever it was. And we thought, we'll put out a mortgage marketing tip of the day. Yeah. And so that was what happened. We, we ended up having about a thousand people follow the page organically in about 30 days days. But after 90 days, I frankly started running out of stuff to say. There's only so yeah. many one-liners I could come up with. So the podcast was a way that uh, I would bring people on and uh, be able to interview them, take their quotes, take their tips, and continue to feed this Instagram page. You know, no one was talking about content repurposing. We didn't really understand what that was. My goal was how do I show up for mortgage professionals in a way that I help them build their business, gain some credibility for the purposes of being able to recruit and hire for my region. Yeah. It was it was pretty short sighted originally. So uh, it long is interesting. Story. I mean, a, a lot of people start with, you know, I want to go create something. I want to go make some content. And I know you you talk about a lot knowing your audience and, and what value is for them. And it's just cool to hear that that's actually how it started for you. You knew who you wanted to provide for. And that's what prompted prompted you to create 100% I, I literally and that's kind of how the marketing formula that that I share a lot that you're talking mm -hmm. about came about is I was thinking about who is my audience who am I trying to reach that was other mortgage professionals that I wanted to either network with collaborate with or recruit the second step of the marketing formula after the who is the what what problem do you solve what value do you add what uh, you know, message are you trying to give them? And mine was I wanted to help them build their business. I didn't think there was anything more valuable than helping a loan officer build their business, especially at that particular time. And then the third part of the marketing formula is what's the most effective medium to solve that problem or deliver that value to that audience. Right. And as a busy mortgage professional myself and, and having been one for quite a while, I didn't spend a whole lot of time watching along YouTube videos. So I didn't really feel like a YouTube channel was the right uh, uh, format. Mm -hmm. And I just chose podcasts because I knew I listened to music and I listened to uh, books on Audible while I was working in the car at the gym. And I thought, hey, people can listen to this. And and truthfully, I didn't know if anybody would listen. I knew for mm -hmm. sure that I could at least take those tips and push out content on social media. Right. What ended up happening is our our first you know ten guests were the Mount Rushmore of mortgage, mm -hmm. and people did listen, and the podcast kind of blew up, but. Um, to your point, it was very intentional on what we were trying to do and who we were trying to reach. And that formula still works today, whether you're trying to reach, you know, people to grow your company, are you trying to reach clients and consumers? Are you trying to reach referral partners? Once you know who and then what value you want to bring, what problem you want to solve, it's very easy to say, okay, where's the best place to deliver that value to solve that problem for that group of people? And it could be social media in general it could be an you know specific social media platform it could be a podcast a blog i mean you can go on and on and on but mm. once you identify those it's very very easy to go and, and do the work to, to get the results yeah yeah that's really helpful and uh really enjoy hearing the actual story behind that philosophy that i've heard before so that's neat thanks for sharing for sure um yeah i, I want to shift to the the idea of and you know it's all it's all connected um 
but the idea focusing a little bit on branding specifically and um i want to know in in your mind and uh, so can you explain a little bit is is your company what do you view as, as your company are you your company are you a a loan officer and that's that's kind of what you view as your company or do you have sub subdivisions there or what, what do you yep. view as you know that's a great question you know in short the way that I view it is I kind of have three different facets. You know, one, my company is me, right? My personal brand, my podcast, uh, the coaching that I do, workshops, things of that nature. But I also work for a mortgage company and have for 18 or 18 and a half years. My right. role has changed within that mortgage company, but you know, my purpose and mission as a mortgage professional is to help move our industry forward to a more modern and relevant place. Having gotten into very young age, I learned from some of the old guard, some of the longstanding success principles. But being a younger guy who's been in the business this long, I still have an appetite for some of the the new ways of doing business. And right. my passion is really Somewhere to kind of bridge there. the two. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Makes sense. So yeah, with that with that in, in mind, what has what role has branding had in the success of what you're doing specifically? Um, and that can be that can be how you view your company, your larger company, or just your personal brand. Um, how do you view branding and, and what role has that played in what you're doing? Yeah, it's a great question. It's also a, a pretty big question. So I'm going to yep. kind of break it down Absolutely. like this. The first part is really understanding what a personal brand is, because I think when a lot of people hear it, they they kind of think it's this this kind of weird term. And we almost have to redefine it for a lot of folks as your personal brand is about reputation, right? Right. It's yep. how you show that up on me a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in that context, one of the things that I coach a lot of people to do and, and we do in our workshops is helping people digitize their reputation, not only what clients and referral partners say about them, but who they are outside of what they do. That's a personal brand. It's not about a logo or a name or a shtick. It's the person and the personal brand. That's what we're highlighting here. The second piece of this is because millennials and Gen Z are more interested in how someone shows up online than how they are in person, it's imperative that if you want to create influence in your business or in your life, you want to attract people to what you're doing, you have to show up online in a meaningful way, not just on a website, but on social media and through content. And the best example to illustrate that is if it was, you know, 10 years ago and I said to my buddy, Bob, hey, Bob, you need to use Landon. Landon is a rock star in the mortgage industry. He's the guy you need to go to if you want to get a mortgage. Five or 10 years ago, Bob just used Landon, right? No questions asked. Mm -hmm. Now what happens if I make that same comment to Bob about how awesome Landon is and why he needs to use Landon as a, as a mortgage professional, the first thing Bob does is pull out his phone and he starts looking online and he right. looks at social media and looks at the website. And if, you know, Landon's not showing up online very well or at all, right. it's not that he even questions Landon. He even questions Phil. Like, what the heck? Yeah. I thought you said he was a rock star, yeah. right? He doesn't even so, exist. That's exactly right. So it's a matter of understanding what is truly relevant in this market. And the other thing that's, I think, super important about a personal brand that gets overlooked a lot is that if you're building a personal brand, it you can take that with you. 
right? You can go from one company to another or one industry to another. And as long as it's not isolated to a specific topic or a specific company, right. people know who you are. You have credibility. You have that ethos as, as Rene Rodriguez likes to use. And if you're just building a company brand, you can't take it with you. That's not mm. yours. That's not marketable. So again, it's, it's very important that we keep these things in context, but to the spirit of your question, I didn't know I was building a personal brand. I was trying to add value to an intended audience. But as I continued to network with, collaborate with, and interview some people that had credibility, had things to say, had some clout in the industry, and they shared the content that we were creating together, people saw me in a similar light to the people that I was interviewing and working with, which in turn created some brand uh, opportunities there. But yeah. then you have to also show up with content and things of that nature. Right. But I will say, without a brand, especially through the podcast, most all of my uh, professional relationships for sure, and even some personal relationships and success I've had in the last four or five years has been very much directly and 100% indirectly from building a personal brand and building a brand through you know content and, and creating a podcast. So that's really a long way of saying it's one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that a professional can do in today's day and age. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks, Phil. And it, it is interesting as you talk about the distinction between um, personal brand and company brand where so so my my role right now with our company, it's my dad's company and it's him and me and one other LO. Sure. And I am just recently out of college and just learning the ropes and I'm largely in marketing. And so my my mindset has been and and the question I've been trying to answer has been how do you brand a company, um, but it's been almost confusing to figure out uh, the differences and the overlap of branding a company uh, versus branding a person and what we're trying to do at Cleveland Street. Um, so I think that some of the distinctions you offered there are helpful in terms of one just the the carryover that. Um, that you can have on a personal brand from one company to a, to the next. Um, sure. I think I think that's really helpful. Well, and, and something I'd like to expand on that because that's one of the most common questions that people ask, right? Is if I'm using my company to build my business, or in your right. case, I have ownership in my company. How do I balance building my personal brand versus my company's brand? And and how do you even build a, a company brand? And I think it's really simple and. I had some conversations around this a couple of years ago and have really thought a lot about it and, and spent a lot of time coaching people with it since. When yeah. you're talking about a company, you, you think about just even outside of our industry, why are there celebrity endorsements, right? Obviously, because they're famous and they're recognizable, but why do they put people on a Wheaties box? Why do in you know pharmaceutical commercials, do they show individuals you know doing different things? It's very difficult for people to fall in love with, follow, or have any emotional buy-in to a quote-unquote brand. So you mm -hmm. have to personify that. You have to create people that create the attachments for the brand. Easy examples in today's day and age is we follow Elon Musk way more than we follow Tesla or SpaceX yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. People want to know about the person behind it. And so the easiest way – 
for a company to get more buy-in from people is to tell stories about what the company does, what it's about. Share stories about the clients that it changed lives. Tell stories about the people that work for them. If, if someone has a company and instead of saying, we have incredible culture, they share a story of uh, Sue who works for the company and in the time she's been with the company, here's how her life has changed. Not even that you're implying that it was because of the company, but hey, look sure. how Sue has thrived even in the time that she's been here. All of a sudden, yeah. people get that understanding that that must be a cool culture for her to be able to to do those types of things. Or, you know, here's Bob and Sally that, you know, used our company. Look at the cool things they've been able to do in their life. And the problem is people try to do that, but they want to make the connection that, look, because we did this for Bob and Sally or, or for whoever, this mm -hmm. is why their life got better. And people don't want to hear that. They just want to hear about the people and then they can make their own inferred connections about what that means. So if a company will just share stories about people, share stories about their team, their clients, what they're doing in the community, all those types of things, people will follow that brand because of who it is it's it's made up of. But again, that's separate than those individual people building their personal brand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm continuing to wrestle with that that one because I don't know I I just have big big brands that pop into my mind. It's like, you know, what about them? It's all I know about them is their brand name. I don't know, you know, the the celebrities they attach to. But then I also think that some of those you can't even, you know, Nike, um, Starbucks, you can't you can't use those as models because they went through a different, they, they went through that process to get to the point where now their, their brand name right. in and of itself means something. It uh, does. And that's exactly right. It, it means something, right? If you think about luxury brands or huge household names, they still went through the same process, but they finally got to a point to where the brand itself took on its own persona. Nike right. means sports, right? Starbucks right. means coffee versus other just random coffee shops or other sports brands may not mean the same thing. But if if, if anyone that hasn't read uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite business memoirs. I didn't know a lot of the things that happened in the early days of Nike. But one of the things he did from day one is he put his shoes on star athletes. He wanted to make mm -hmm. sure that all of the athletes, all of the people – that were out there watching those athletes, we're seeing them win, we're seeing them succeed. These people we looked up to, they always saw them in Nikes, right? Mm. It's the same thing. He, he, I don't know that that was the intent behind it, but what he was doing was personifying the brand. It wasn't just about the Nike shoes, it was about what this star athlete was doing in the Nike shoes. And whenever companies are getting started, it's okay for the company brand to be just the personal brand of the, the few people are there, right? In your situation, right. you, your dad, another loan officer, you three building your personal brands and then people seeing that Cleveland Street is attached to that. In the beginning, that's enough, right? And then as it continues mm -hmm. to grow, you can start carving out specific things for, for Cleveland Street. But to your point, it's you can't look at the apples of the world and say, hmm, how do they personify a brand? Because right. they're, yeah. you know, 15 layers and steps ahead in the, in yep. the evolution of, of building that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really helpful distinction and something I've thought a lot about, and I appreciate the way you phrase it. That's super helpful. 
So this question, uh, next question here is has some overlap, obviously, but want to know specifically if something stands out as the most noteworthy thing or a couple of the most noteworthy things that helped you create your brand and define your brand and your reputation as it is. And so those can be either um, either things that you did to become who who you are or things to promote that reputation to make it known. Um, so those can be very specific, specific platforms, tools you used, or just decisions you made along the way. Yeah, another great question. Uh, just a couple quick things. One was I'm kind of a ready, fire, aim type personality, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I may have a little bit of a strategy in mind. I may have thought out some potential steps, but I try really, really hard in both my life and my business to not suffer from this uh, analysis paralysis. I don't try to overthink things. If I see an opportunity, I want to go execute. And part of that is because even prior to starting a podcast, prior to getting in the mortgage business, I had a lot of really great mentors and coaches that talked about some of the basic principles that all successful people follow. And I read a ton of books, have read a ton of books. And one of those was really getting past this fear of failure. And I see, I find myself talking about it on social media and podcasts almost every opportunity I get because we, a lot of people don't necessarily think that they have a fear of failure. We're okay with failure, but maybe we're scared of subconsciously other people seeing us fail, or we don't put ourselves in situations to fail. But doing that really limits your ability to learn and understand and grow and find out what your limits are and learn that next thing that you need to move along the way. If I've done anything right, it's because I've screwed up so many times, both personally and professionally in the past, I understood that, hey, even really major setbacks I can bounce back from. And you kind of develop some thick skin where you're willing to take some risks and go out and try things even if you you do potentially fail, because again, I don't look at them as failures anymore because I learned something that, that continues right. to, to grow and achieve. So I subscribe yep. to Ready, Fire, Aim. The podcast is no exception. While I was, again, mm-hmm. building this Instagram page, I had been, I had pneumonia for about a week. I'd been on my back and this was like the Sunday where I was going back to work on Monday. And I remember sitting on the couch and turning to my wife and saying, well, I'm starting a podcast. And she just kind of looked at me like, what? And I said, I just sent five messages through LinkedIn and email and websites to five of the biggest names that I could think of in the industry off the top of my head and invited them to be on my podcast. And she goes, what podcast? And I said, well, the one that I'm going to do. And so on Sunday, I invited five. On Monday, three of the five responded and said yes. And they were scheduled for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So on Tuesday, I had to figure out how to do a podcast because I had three interviews scheduled. (laughs) And that served me well because I didn't have time to overthink all the eccentricities. I took a $40 Logitech webcam, a $100 Blue Yeti mic, and a free version of Zoom before Zoom was really ever even talked about and started recording. And hmm. I'm, I'm very big on this concept of you can't improve on something you've never done. And so that's what served me well in this conversation. And it goes the same way with branding. If you don't ever put out a video, if you're not willing to, you know, look stupid on camera, if you're not willing to be okay with what people might be saying about you, whether they like it or don't, you're never going to get where you want to go because all of the people that you look up to that look so crispy sharp on camera, that look like they have all these things to say, 
that's from reps. That's from swings right. of the bat. That's from doing right. it over and over and over. And you just got to do it. So I think that that's probably the most important thing as far as the intangible was just taking action and being okay with what didn't work and just, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out what did. Yeah. 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 Really helpful. I think it's, it, it's easy to overthink and over strategize. And obviously that's, that's something that's talked about a lot. Um, and I think there's a place for purposeful planning, um, and, and having, having an end goal in mind, but not letting that prevent you from starting somewhere. I think that's really yeah, helpful. For sure. For sure. Cool. Well, I'll leave you with one more question here, um, uh, which is just kind of a, what's next for you. Um, and it, it either now or next, are you working on something now? Um, that's new, that's different, or is it more the same? Fine tune what you're doing. Uh, what's next to continue to build your brand and grow grow your reputation? Well, man, I appreciate the opportunity to to be able to share because we actually do have some cool things that we're doing. In 2023, uh, we're going to be launching uh, an academy, a kind of a coaching and networking group uh, here in about a month. I'm not sure exactly when this will uh, will drop, but it'll be um, towards the middle or end of January, and we're already bringing on some coaching clients. But what it's really going to be about is around mindset. It's going to be called M1 Academy, and it's M1 is for mindsets first, because no mm. matter what you're doing personally or professionally, mindset is the most important thing because your mindset is what controls your attitude and your actions, which are the only two things that we actually have control over. We can't control what happens to us. We can't control what other people do. We can't control the circumstances around us, but we can control what we do and how we act and receive the information about what happens to us. Those attitude right. and actions are most important things. So we're going to be building out a, a really cool content library of not just stuff from myself, but a lot of people that I've gotten to interview that I'm friends with, that we collaborate with some of the best of the best in mortgage and real estate. Uh, and then there's some opportunity for people to do some coaching groups if they want, or if they just want to participate in the community and, and, uh, and things of that nature. So um, if, if people are interested in that, you know, hit me up on Instagram DMS. I look at every single one of my DMS and, and try to respond uh, uh, as quickly as possible. Sometimes they show up in that, you know, crazy inbox that I, that I don't see uh, right away, but um, would love to to share what yeah. we've got going on. We're going to continue to level up the podcast. We've got some really, really cool guests uh, that we're going to continue to bring on and do that. And uh, man, we're just out there having fun and, and trying to help people in what's probably going to be a little bit of a crazy market in 2023. Right. Right. Well, awesome. Thanks for sharing, Phil. I uh, really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on today. Huge, huge help and pleasure to listen to. I appreciate it, Landon. We'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks for listening to Work Is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it, leave a review, and listen next week.